Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet for wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Yeah, just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about only the highest level of important items that have taken place over the past week, or two weeks, month. Whatever the news cycle is like, if it's still here week after week, there's a good chance we might be talking about it until I've had enough with it, or it leaves the news cycle. The show coming to you from... Palm City, USA. Cleveland. Still to come on the show this evening, Bob Trudnack and Mo Kaysan. We say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of the video streaming platforms that we provide for you. You can go to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. Also, you can take in the show via YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And of course, we do have the new YouTube poll question of the week. Did you eat at least one hot dog yesterday and current tally... 81% of you now are saying, no, I fall into that 81% as well. So did George Moat. So did Tyson Traeger, if you can believe it. So three of us right here on the show this evening had no hot dogs, although George did mention that he had a hot dog today and he had a hot dog on Sunday, but he did not have one yesterday on Memorial Day and neither did 81% of the voting public. 19% of you said, oh, yes, you have had or you did have at least one hot dog yesterday, making it a glorious Memorial Day. And again, I had full package of weens ready to go, but nobody asked for it. A couple of the kids went to some other party. I was in rib rack cooking mode and money muscle cooking mode. And I've never cooked a money muscle like it was just the money muscle. But we'll get more into that in the next segment or two. This wasn't me cooking a pork butt and then like sectioning off or paying most attention to the money muscle. This butcher shop in Cleveland does retail out just the money muscle, if you can believe it. No names, please. Rule number one of the show. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. This coming Friday, episode 284, taking you back to June 7th of 2011 and being featured this Friday is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Stiff of Big Creek Barbecue. He's also one of the co-founders or the original co-founders of Operation Barbecue Relief. In fact, as you track back the history of the organization, The event that Jeff and I speak of during this coming show on Friday is really the jumping off point for what is now 
grown into a nationally recognized, very well-funded disaster relief organization. They go to areas that have been hit the hardest through natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes. For instance, the uh, jump-off point for what ended up being Operation Barbecue Relief back in June of 2011, there was a string of horrifically deadly and destructive tornadoes in Missouri. Uh, uh, yeah, Missouri? Joplin, Missouri was the specific city that Jeff and I talk about. He had family in Joplin and he had called Stan Hayes and said, Hey, we got to put something together and quickly through some social media postings and making some phone calls to KCBS and getting some other contacts that they were leveraging through their own professional sides. They were able to put together that first deployment of operation barbecue relief. And now 12 years later, it's, Hugely popular, hugely successful, and by successful, I mean going to those hardest-hit areas and providing those hot barbecue meals for the people that need them the most, whether it's displaced families or first responders and rescue workers that are working that site. Uh, They're all there cooking up barbecue meals and giving them out to those people that need it. So if you haven't heard the origin story of Operation Barbecue Relief, you will at least get a very brief insight onto how that actually came to happen. Uh, Friday's the show you want to check out so you can hear all about that very first operation and how it's grown from there. Also, don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or a segment again that's been lost in the archives, email John and let him know what you would like to hear. That's J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com. J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com and let him know what you would like to hear. Don't forget, this coming weekend is the next installment of the All-Star Barbecue Series event. That's going to be taking place in El Paso, Texas. That's June 3rd, 2023. For more info or to register, you go to famousdaves.com slash All-Star BBQ Challenge. In fact, I did get a email from Teresa a little earlier and asked her about, so I didn't get a team, uh, no, I did. El Paso details are here. Where? Hmm, darn it. El Paso details attached. But it seems I don't have that. Oh, oh, is this it? Details? Yes. So, it looks like uh, Peter, oh man. Armanderas, along with barbecue all-stars like John Barton, Sean Hill, Christopher Sawyer, as they go head-to-head for ultimate bragging rights and the grand prize, $5,000 in prize money. So that's what's going to be happening June 3rd. And then the following week in Hermitage, you have Russ Lanham from Hog Feathers Barbecue and then Russ Allen Ken Wood, Stephen Tremaine, and Chan Winnington, Redbone Barbecue, Charcoal uh, Charcoal Cowboys Barbecue, Two Swine Crew, and Maggie's Farm, respectively, uh, taking place in Hermitage on 610, but we'll talk about uh, that a little bit more next week. There's this new story I'm getting emails on, but I can't responsibly talk about it, but it's coming in fast and furious, so I'll have to keep a tab on it. Email from Joe Bob in Ohio. Immediately, I'm suspect that that's even a real name of anybody, but we'll go with it. Hey, Greg, 
and greetings from a fellow Buckeye. I have been a big fan of the show for the past three years. In case you haven't mentioned it or you forgot to promote yourself a bit, I would like to say that you and the embedded correspondents, not John, were 100% correct on the Barbecue Hall of Fame picks last week. Although I was disappointed that John's guess of the Barbecue Central show being awarded the Impact Award didn't come to fruition, better luck next year, and thanks for doing the show. Podcast listener only regards Joe Bob. You are right, Joe Bob. Everybody but John, 75% of us, Rusty, Doug, and myself, were all 100% correct on guessing who was going to make it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year. Darren Worth is in. Flora Payne is in. Sweet Baby Ray is in. And Bad Byron Chisholm from Butt Rub is in as well. There were Legacy Award members. And there was also an Impact Award winner. The Impact Award winner uh, was the Barbecue Forum. Ray Basso, the site administrator. That's what they used to call those people when they had barbecue forums. I would know. I was the site administrator for the Barbecue Central Forum before there was even a Barbecue Central Show's podcast. I had been long in the corner of Ray Basso getting into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And they felt that he was deserving of the Impact Award because then there was a whole bunch of other contributors to the forum that make it what it is. But certainly you can't look past the importance of the Barbecue Forum in the world of barbecue. And that's why he got the Impact Award. So that doesn't, let's not take away from the fact that Doug, Rusty, and myself, again, 100% accurate on our pick for who was going in. We know what's going on. We have our finger on the pulse. By the way, Joe Bob, if that's your name, I just spoke with Doug Shiding earlier today, and he told me, look, I don't know if you're a fan of the show or not, Joe Bob, or if you listen to all this stuff, but you would recall there was one segment with Doug where he unabashed mentioned that he routinely has raccoons in his house, not on his porch, in his house, because he has cats that are 50-50 cats, and he puts the, he's got one of those cat doors or doggy doors so the cats can go in and out of their own free will. That's a mistake. But he has had no less than 13 raccoons in his house. So he told me earlier today, he is now 13 and O in getting cats out of his house, or I'm sorry, in getting raccoons out of his house over a span of 22 years. I don't even think I've seen 13 raccoons in my whole life let alone take 13 out of my house. Out of my house? Doug, really? What can I do to get you to agree to take out the cat door in the house? Having had 13 raccoons in your house isn't enough? This is outrageous behavior. It's trouble. This might be the new YouTube poll question of the week, or at least what I'm going to ask Mo and Bob. How many raccoons have you had in your house? I know how many. Zero humans. Let me refresh that. Zero normal humans ever have raccoons in their house. Maybe one. On accident. Not 13. Come on, Doug. You're better than that. Uh, Looks like Mo and Bob are ready to go. We'll get to them here in one second. Before we do that, I'll talk to you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. 
Everything on the website has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. They have something for every type of outdoor cook. You know Big Papa has 13 perfectly balanced flavors of seasonings and rubs. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak, Little Louis Season Salt, some of my all-time favorites. Of course, they own Granny's Barbecue Sauce as well, so if you're looking for a new go-to sauce, you might want to give Granny's a try. Great by itself out of the bottle or great as a base sauce if you don't mind tricking it out. Also, if you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Pop Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not sure of what grill you need, call them, right? 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Ask all the questions you want. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need. Or shop the website, bigpopsmokers.com. Let me spell it, B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A, smokers.com. We're back with Big Mo and Barbecue Bob right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you're a beginner or professional, it doesn't matter. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. My guests in the second hour, two of the most recognizable names and faces in the biz, both highly accomplished competition pitmasters. They are sellers of their own lines of rubs and sauces and other products. They teach cooking classes as a tandem, and one of them is a 2021 Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer to boot. We welcome back the friends of the show, Mo Kason and Bob Trudnack right here on the show. Gentlemen, appreciate you taking time here this evening. Before we get into a bunch of nonsense and live-fire tomfoolery talk, let's do the YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody. And I'm shocked by the results here so far, but we're going to see where you guys are at. Big Mo, yes or no, did you eat at least one hot dog yesterday? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. You are in the minority. 19% are saying yes to this question. Bob, at least one hot dog yesterday or no? I had a hot, I had a hot dog with onions, relish, mustard, and a touch of ketchup. Wow, we a touch. Just a smidgen of ketchup. All right, 81% yes. of the YouTube voting public, sorry, now 82% are saying no. They did not have one hot dog at all yesterday. I also fall into that group as well. Though so I had a huge pack Same of Schweens. I had a huge pack of Schweens, but nobody was asking for them, so it was just ribs and money muscles, and we'll get to that here in just a second. All right, let's get the hard stuff out of the way first, and I preface this question by saying this. Only answer with the information you either want to or legally obligated or comfortable sharing because there were a, a few posts, if you're catching on social media, that uh, there was a restaurant 
venture that Bob and Mo and somebody else were involved in. And it appears that deal is now dead. So, uh, Bob, let me start with you. Uh, anything that you can share on that front before we go to Mo? Uh, I mean, I don't want to dwell on it, but just in a nutshell, I will say that Mo and I were approached by a partner investor in Texas. Um, we did our due diligence. We had meeting after meeting after meeting. We thought it would be a great idea uh, with a given partner. And to our surprise, uh, it didn't go as planned. And uh, they backed out and we are no longer doing a restaurant in Texas. Mo, do you agree with that? I concur. <laughs> Mo, is that disappointing? I mean, look, we, you've been on this show before. We've talked about potentially, you know, Mo getting into the restaurant game in some form or fashion. Is this a disappointment yeah, for you? No, this is actually, it, it works out really good uh, for uh, Bob and I both. Um, I got some pretty good street skills and common sense, and so does Bob. And there were some things early on that was letting me know that Bob and I are playing chess and these folks are playing tic-tac-toe. And so right then and there, I was just like, yeah, man. And there was things that were supposed to be done that weren't done. And I just knew right then and there, before we get our hands tied up in a lot of money and, and a lot of things, it was better to cut ties so that we can go ahead and do what we need to do. And it was the best thing. We came out smelling like a rose, man. So it was really good, man. Bob, uh, In hindsight, we, this was a blessing. Yeah. Were you disappointed up front, though? I mean, you guys seem to spend a lot of time uh, talking about how excited you were. You were spending time in Texas. Might have heard some talk of cookers getting down there. Seems Things seem to be moving along in the we're going to get this thing open direction. Right. Yeah, and for me, it was a couple moments of disappointment. And, uh, you know, Mo and I were together when... Um, you know, this kind of news broke, I guess you would say. And uh, we, you know, we talked through it uh, with Mama T and and uh, Mo's wife. And, you know, it just, uh, you know, things changed quickly for us to the positive. So, All right. Yep. So that's the way it is. If anybody was wondering or you were secretly hoping I was going to be asking this question, of course, you know me. I'm bringing only hardballs, <laughs> not softballs, bitches. Yes. So no that's no the problem. straight answers from the guys that were involved with it. We moved to a week and a half ago, a little competition called Memphis in May. I had Chris Lilly on uh, last week. We were talking about his experience there. Uh, before we talk about the individual uh, competitions you guys were doing, teams you were either a part of or leading, I asked Chris directly, Mo, let me ask you first. This was a lead-up to Memphis in May unlike we've ever seen. In the off season, you have a reconfiguration of Tom Lee Park. Uh, the teams that are typically there volume-wise are cut down. I've heard anywhere between 75 to 100 teams. There was all talks of weird deposits and alarming amounts at one point during uh, the lead-up to this event uh, that luckily didn't end up happening. But I've never seen or heard so much drama over a lead-in to Memphis in May. Now, knowing what we know, how did you find the event, and how did you find the space as a competitor there? Well, you know, I love, and I mean, I love Memphis in May. It's my favorite cook-off that I do. There's nothing like it out there, man, in that type of realm as far as the competitors and just the ambiance of 
being on the Mississippi River, man, it's just it just speaks to me, man. And uh, you know, when I put my application in last December, you know, uh, we're hearing uh, well, we kind of heard from the last year from things are going to be changing, and Tom Lee was going to be doing a lot of constructions and stuff, and so I had no idea exactly how it's going to look. I had a couple of my guys from Pensacola, Florida, go down to the team meeting down in Memphis because uh, I couldn't make it. And um, they just reported back and said, it looks good. looks nice. Now, granted, I think they were less, I don't know, maybe 40 teams than regularly. Uh, I just, the, it's a beautiful thing that they did down there as far as aesthetically, visually, it's gorgeous. But it was challenging getting pits in and out because they spent millions getting this place all beautified. And you got guys, you know, you, you, the typical 40-foot trailers, that wasn't going to cut it. You, I mean, I had a 12-foot trailer, and I had no problem getting into my spot. But, you know, if you had a huge trailer with smokers and a lot of these big get-ups like people have, that wasn't going to happen. I mean, it just wasn't. Um, but we got ourselves in there, and uh, we were right not too far from the river, and we had a beautiful uh, shot of the river uh, breeze. So... Uh, but I could see where it was difficult, man. I mean, because by the time I got done wrapping up on Sunday, it took me almost two, two and a half hours to get out because people were breaking down, you know, and, and, and it makes everything tough. You guys the, got the loaders and the, and the forklifts and everything. It just makes it tight. But I got to tip my hat off to Memphis and May, and I got to tip my hat off to the guys they have doing the, the, the Mackey Free Rentals, whatever. Those guys running those forklifts, articulate man them guys are pros they were putting stuff in in on a dime i mean it was incredible so i'm always going to be a fan of memphis and may period i I love that contest i love just love the whole scene people i don't see for like once a year man it's like family reunion man so i dig it man and i understand i don't know what they're going to do about next year you know, because I just don't know how they're going to, because, I mean, I just don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, I hope it does. I hope it's back down in Memphis, down to down Tom Lee. But it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they recover from this as far as uh, putting the money back in the park. Because, you know, stuff does get tore up. You know what I mean? It's just you got three-quarter ton, one-ton trucks, <laughs> you know what I mean, smokers and trailers. That's going to take us some grass. It's going to, I've seen a couple of little fence posts kind of get knocked over. I mean, that's just what happens, man. I mean, we got tight confines trying to do that. But I loved it, man. I mean, just I just love the cook-off, man. And I would, as long as God allows me to walk straight and talk straight and I can sit there and fire my pit up, I will be a Memphis and May. Bob, what was your experience at Memphis and May? Uh, well, you know, I kind of got off easy because Heath Riles and the team get set up on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't fly until Wednesday. Um, so I was there for just some of the final, um, you know, set up and clean up, um, got, getting site ready. And um, Heath asked me to cook a couple ancillaries. So, um, you know, I cooked uh, wings in the beef category and he had a wonderful team there, great group of guys and girls. And, uh, yeah, so for me, it was just a great experience, but I didn't have to experience moving in or moving out. Mo, let's go back to your big weekend, uh, top three shoulder finish, a huge take 
at this event. So, uh, you know, you gave me your thoughts just generally speaking about the event space and all this. We'll talk about the uh, predictions of if Memphis and May is going to happen next year here and uh, once we're done with all this. But give me your thoughts about the weekend's cook and what does it mean to you or uh, where do you slot the, the third place, uh, you know, world pork championship? Well, I'm going to tell you, man, this is my <laughs> seventh year cooking Memphis and May. And I have to say it's the hardest cook-off you got to do because not only do you have blind box you got to turn in, you got on-site judgment you got to turn. I mean, you got you got three judges that come in 15-minute intervals and you got to do the full dog and pony, man, to showcase your abilities, showcase your product, and talk everything full, everything about your team and how they cook these either whole hog, shoulders, or ribs. So I love that aspect of it. And I'm going to tell you again, it was my seventh year. And I've been fortunate enough to walk the stage, I think, three out of the seven years. But it was like fifth, ninth, seventh, something like that. But to make finals, to make finals, that is – because basically your score is right there, either one, two, and three. And my initial run, when looking at my, my score sheet, I was second by just – two tenths, three tenths from the initial run. So that means we, my team, we put it down. And I knew we had the counterpart Duroc shoulders. I put my injection, my seasonings, and everything that I make into that shoulder, man. And I had a great team of guys and gals from uh, uh, Pensacola, man. And they come down on their own dime every year. I know these cats. They know me. I'm not sitting half to sit there point fingers and say, do this, do that. They know what they need to do. And every year it just gets better and better and better. And we're a smooth machine. And it showed. And I was just, but it's still a crapshoot. You know what I mean? You got top pork cookers in the country there. So it's like, no matter how good you cook, if it's your time, it's your time. And it happened to be, it was my time. And it was emotional for me, man. I ain't going to lie. I mean, when that, when that golf cart come up, and I was in shock, to be honest. Um, I knew we had great product, but there's a lot of teams around me that are cooking and got great product. You know, you're dealing with your Chris Lilies, your Tuffies, your Sweet Swatamon. I mean, you boys, are you dealing with some great teams? And when they came and gave me my sheet and said that I made finals, it was overwhelming for me. I had to sit down, and my buddy Tuffy came by, and he sat down with me, man, and I got emotional, man. I ain't going to lie. I got emotional because we put in so much hard work and cooking. And I've done so many cook-offs over the years. And you just try to make it to the next level, man. And making top three, that's making it to the next level, man. And that's, to me, that's the Super Bowl. I mean, there's some great cook-offs all over the country, big ones. But to me, personally, there's nothing that rivals Memphis and May. And it was so emotional for me, man. I was so happy for myself. So happy for my team because we put in a lot of work throughout the whole week. And to be at the end, walk that stage. There's nothing like for me personally walking the stage at Memphis and May. And and I always wanted one of those globe trophies, man. Always wanted that globe trophies. And I finally got one, man. And uh, it's right next to me, next to my humidor right now. And I just, uh, I, I mean, seriously, dude. I mean, all my other trophies, they're out in the garage. Oh, but this, this is a globe right here? It's sitting right next to me, Jack. I'm gonna tell you that right now, and uh, and, and and I mean, 
I can't wait till next year. I mean, I was ready to cook the next day. I was ready to do Memphis and all over. That's how motivated. I mean, it's those little things like that, having that opportunity. And I would still continue to cook. But I feel blessed, man. That's all I can say, dude. I feel blessed. Were you running the same program there that you had run in years past? Or are you constantly tweaking or bringing something new to the game? Pretty much, I, you know, I test years for years. So you kind of know what's good. Now, what's what's sweet about it is that everything that I use in that hog, on that port, it's right off the shelf. You can buy at the store. But I have a certain blend that I do. My injection is not, it's more, I have a complex injection that I use. But I do use my good friend Heath Rouse injection powder. But I have a this, this, this thing that I've been doing for every year. Because I know it's good and I know it works. It just happens to be presenting it right, cooking it right, presenting it right, and getting the right judges to, to, to see what you got to say. When I had the final judges come, that was what got me to third place. Because when you go to finals, you could win the whole thing. You could be first or second or third. And I had awesome scores on my blind box, pretty much straight tens. I had pretty much straight tens on my on-site judging, and then I get the four judges coming in, and it's it's you got to go through the whole spill again. And you know I'm going to give a shout-out to you. I'm going to give a shout-out to the barbecue family. When I made finals, and Bob can tell you this, because you got family, dude. Keith Riles, Sweet Swine of Mine. I mean, I can't even remember all the people that came down and gave a lending hand. They know that was my first time making finals. And they brought, Heath Rouse guys brought down Garnish. They brought, they, man, man Pork Illustrate, the boys come in. Delbert, my boy, they come in, help the pit, decorate the pit. You know what I mean? That's barbecue family, man. And that's because it's mad love I have for them and they have mad love for me. And they knew that this was a big moment for me. And they came in, no questions asked, and just immediately start helping me out, and I—I I, I mean, I—that's—that's I, that, that's one of the many reasons why I love Memphis and May. It is just—it's the family, dude. And I would do it to someone else, you know what I mean? And uh, it was just awesome, dude. I'm just tell you, man. I don't—I don't know. I'm bumping my guns, man. But I'm just tell you because I love that cookout. I'm getting emotional over here, Bob. Have you—have you thought about uh, starting up a team, being like the the head cook and and lining up a Memphis and May team? Uh, no, I actually haven't. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do that? I actually, I, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, um, it's a big investment. I do a lot of, it is, it is. It's a big investment. I do a lot of KCBS contests, um, and with the classes and everything else, I don't know. That's a, uh, I'm kind of content cooking with the Heath Riles team. Um, I love that group. I love being a part of that and what I bring to that team. Um, but no, I just, I'm not ready for it yet. Let's get your individual thoughts on this item. And I closed the show last week. Would love your thoughts, Bob. The bigger win over the past two years is which one? Blues hog in 2022 doing the whole hog on that big-ass drum or ridiculous this year doing it with ribs, breaking a 21-year dry spell for that category as an overall winner, which is the bigger win? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're asking, you know, outsider, um, I'm sure people would answer it differently. But um, 
I mean, it's a big win for both of them, right? It's exciting for both teams. Uh, what Blues Hog did was amazing last year. But to break that, yeah, to break that 21-year dry spell, that's pretty amazing. So I'll, I think the rib win yeah. is the – You agree with that, that, Mo? I got to say, because in the history of Memphis and May, it's generally whole hog or shoulders that win the whole thing. You got to have a bomb. I mean, flame on, hot magma bomb rib <laughs> to beat out shoulders and hog. I'm going to tell you, man, there's some great, great rib cookers out there, man. You're going to have mm. more better rib cookers than you will have shoulders or a hog. That's why you have more teams entering in this rib category. There's some, a lot of teams down there to cook some fire ribs. And I'm going to tell you, man, to have a rib beat out a whole hog and shoulder, you got, I mean, it, I didn't know what they taste like, but I know some of my friends that I know who got ribs first, like my boy like Heath and them guys back over, over the years, I can taste the rib and tell you, oh, if this don't make top five, something wrong. And I'm going to tell right. you. And uh, I've never, I didn't taste the rib, man, but I don't, I don't know what, but it had to be good. Yeah. It had to be good. Pyro pig maniacs were the last ones to do it. And then I think everybody associates rib wins with when uh, uh, the legend Mike Mills was doing it uh, at Apple City Barbecue right. when he did it, uh, yeah. you know, two yep. or three different times. So, uh, Absolutely. Good. Yep. Would, would you say that over the last two years that the old guard of Memphis and May has been put on notice, Bob? Absolutely. Mo? Has put the, on has, has the old, put on well, you have some new blood coming in, uh, you know, finishing in finals, winning in and overall. Uh, it's not the same group of people you see for the last 10 years. It's different folks now. Well, yeah, that is. But, I mean, I mean don't don't be sleeping on old cats, guys. Because they come <laughs> out there, man, and, and straight knock your teeth right down your throat. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't ever think just because you're coming up and you, and you got fancy cooker and fancy name and you got bells and whistles that you're going to go. No. The most cats, man, they've been around. And maybe not their year. So I'm not going to say that, dude. I ain't going to say that. <laughs> Mo, give me a percentage on if you think, A, Memphis and May is going to be in Tomley Park, and then – a percentage if you think Memphis and May is done for good. Oh, Memphis and May is not done for good. I mean, that would be tragic if that was the case. You got too much. It's it's a it's ingrained in Memphis. It would have to go out back to Tiger Lane. Uh, you know, I just have a hard time in my mind thinking how they're going to have it back down in Tom Lee Park. Because, I mean, you got – 150 teams with trucks and trailers and they met this they spent a lot of money on this park yeah. i mean trees plants i mean it's beautiful but just in my area i look behind and i see a truck take out two posts <laughs> and then i see the truck crack the concrete and you know all that got to be fixed so it's like you know uh and then that was just in the area that i saw behind me so i don't know uh 50 50 then or worse than 50 50 <laughs> I think Ooh. it has to go somewhere else. They they got to find another place uh, that's got you know they just do man. I just don't think how, how I mean I don't know man. I think it's thirty percent they take it back wow. down to Tom Lee. Bob, percentage that you think Memphis and May will be back in Tom Lee Park? 
10%. Holy moly. 10%. Mr. Negativity, Bob Trudnak has joined the show. Uh, all right. Uh, percentage that you think Memphis and May is done. This was the last year. Zero. I don't think I don't think it's done. I don't think it's done. No. I, may, maybe they take a year off to kind of rethink it or, you know, find a new location, new venue. But uh, I don't think it's done. No, Definitely man. It's Memphis and May, dude. It's, yeah. it's, it's like it, it, it would be people would. Yeah, hell no. Memphis and May ain't done. Well, remember, Tiger Lane the year before, uh, according to all the politickers, it was a loser's loser on money. So people aren't just going to have a loser just because it's fun and exciting. Well, that's true. Well, need- but uh, the only reason, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think that cook-off has so much power. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand you got your ups and downs. I've been in cooking the end of sanctioned bodies, and they have their ups and downs. They go to different videos, different videos, and I get that. But I just think Memphis and May is super special, man. And and there's too many people that care about it and love about it just to turn the light switch off on that thing, man. I'm telling you, man. Let's change gears, talk a little competition barbecue nonsense. Last week, uh, what I'm calling the chicken incident of 2023 occurred on the worldwide internet. And I would like each of your opinions on this topic as well. Let me give you a little background. There is a butcher shop here in Cleveland, no names please, who actively tries to sell into the competition circuit, mostly KCBS. And on this particular day, they post a picture of six or eight competition-trimmed chicken thighs. And it had a post attached to it saying something along the lines of, we're now selling competition-trimmed chicken thighs to those who want them the knuckles off, the oysters off, the veins out, the skin scraped, and the weight is the same for each thigh. So minimal work would be needed by any recipient of these thighs. Well, this sparks controversy. Some folks are saying, hey, take my money. Other folks are saying it's a form of cheating or that gives an unfair advantage to a cook that would otherwise be exposed as some type of charlatan otherwise. Mo, your thoughts on... This most pressing issue of our day. <laughs> I don't give a rat's ass about that. You don't? <laughs> no. If I showed I up mean, to a barbecue you? competition, Mo, right next to you, and I pull out uh, chicken thighs and you say, hey, Rip, where you? how did you do that? And I say, well, I didn't do it at all. I went to so-and-so, and he sent them to me all trimmed and everything, and I'm just going to season and cook them up. You wouldn't think less of me or that I was somehow cheating or uh, I was getting around the process, not the pit master Hell way. No, because it, it's, it's raw. It's not cooked. The whole magic is, is, is cooking. I mean, obviously trimming and doing it with everything, but it's just a raw piece of chicken. Okay, it's no different you buying Wagyu or, you know, choice. And, I mean, it's just, to me, that doesn't make a difference. It's how you cook that piece of protein how you finish that piece of protein, how you put it in that box. That's what matters. If you came in there and had all your briskets trimmed up by freaking frack and fruit, you know, so what? You still got to cook it. That's where it's going to happen. That's when the salt's going to hit the road. Just because you got nine thighs or 12 thighs trimmed up, that don't mean nothing to me. You still got to put foot to gluteus maximus. Bob, your thoughts on people showing up with already trimmed stuff that they didn't do? Yeah, it doesn't bother me either. I mean, I would never do it because I wouldn't feel good about w- winning with that. 
You know, I like to do the work myself. But, you know, for someone else to come with pre-trimmed meat, I mean, they do that with ribs. You know, ribs are competition trimmed. I've seen pork butts trimmed down. Um, well, so the same yeah. place that I referenced is actively selling money muscles only to a handful of competition teams in the KCBS circuit right now. By the way, their names both you guys okay. would know. So there shouldn't be any deference given. Like You shouldn't hate on the guys that are getting chicken thighs from this company, but uh, they're also the same people getting money muscle. Like one doesn't hold deference over the other. Now I can care less what other people do to get to the, to get to yes, a competition, sir. but um, I just personally wouldn't do it myself. I like to do all the work myself. I like to have it perfected by me with my decision making. And if you want to, you know, compete that way, go for it. I can care less. Right on. But maybe you think it's a bit of a bitch move. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not I'm a no from Bob, I, Mo. It's not a no from Bob. I, I mean, for me, I'm not I saying it's my, a bitch move, but it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. No, man. I I trim my own stuff. I do all my own stuff to my, myself either. But I would. I'm not going to be spending some money, uh, having someone do something for me like that. I'm just not going to do it. But you know, if someone, and I and I'm a one man team generally, so I mean, you know, that would be an advantage to have to help me on the back end. But I still do it because it's not that difficult. Okay, right. if your buck can sit down for twenty minutes and trim up some chicken, you lazy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have all my chicken trimmed on a Wednesday before the competition, vacuum sealed, ready to go. Yeah. So you know, I I like I lay out my schedule and, and take the time to do it. Let's stay on money muscle here just for a second. I'm not a competition cook. I think that's widely known, but. I bought two of these money muscle only uh, deals from the, the butcher guy in Cleveland because I thought, let's change it up. Instead of just doing pulled pork and ribs, let's do ribs and money muscle. Well, okay. aside from talking about it a lot, and one time I was at a Sam's Club event when the late, great Rob McGee was cooking uh, uh, at the, uh, uh, the, the, the Hilton team, and he pulled out first time he pulls out this piece of pork he said oh this is the money muscle slice it up in these medallions he's like here put this in your mouth it'll change your life it's the best piece of pork i ever had in my life i mean he was one of the all-time greats and uh, sure. you know all of a sudden it becomes commonplace people turning in you know the the money muscle the pork medallions whatever you call them um it's seen it's you know uh, ebbs and flows here where that's all people were turning in and you know it seems to have gone back to some tubes and some uh, some pulled and some medallions whatever as a guy in the backyard, I get this thing, and yeah, I kind of do my own trim on it. Uh, I cooked it right, was able to get some slices, but I would say about a little more than a quarter of the way through my slices, I'm running into, I wouldn't say a serious amount of fat, but it's stuff that didn't look like it was going to render, even if I would have had it on the cooker for another three or four hours, or I blasted it in the aluminum foil for another hour and a half, whatever. What's the best way to, to go about trimming the money muscle to get the best slices, Bob? Well, I mean, I take the uh, – first of all, I look for a pork butt with a very large money muscle. And then I, what I do is where the money muscle, the top of the money muscle, I work my way back with a knife um, horizontal. And then I take a look at the backside. I just start to slice the backside of the money muscle until I get down. I don't take the tubes with it. So I'm not taking, you know, a piece of 
pork this big. I'm, it's more like a diameter of, you know, maybe smaller than a tennis ball. <laughs> and I do a little trimming on the backside of that while it's raw. So I might cut into it a little bit, uh, into some of that heavy fat, anything that feels hard to me, remove it, um, kind of reshape it with my hand, and then start to cook it. But even after it's cooked, you can look at the backside of that money muscle and see if there's any fat, some heavy fat lingering that didn't render. And you can take a small knife and kind of scrape that out of there um, and, and not serve that, you know, take away anything that's that's um, unflattering or, you know, doesn't wouldn't taste right. Mo, you uh, mostly agree with that? Do you have a, a different style to the money muscle? Well, you know, the way I, I trim mine out, um, well, first of all, back in the day, you know, Bob and I both would cook where you couldn't separate the money muscle. Now you can cook, cook that yeah. solely. This is what it is. So I used to butterfly a pork butt. And, you know, I teach that in my class still, in barbecue classes, that I'll take that butter, with that blade bonus, I come up, up, up to the money muscle, the, the bottom end of that, and I would butterfly that out to where it looks like a, a, a hump. And then I'd get to about 170 degrees, and I would log out that whole money muscle. And like say, Bob, I like my money muscles large, and they're almost like a small tennis ball. And, but I'm only going to slice up to a certain, because they taper down. So I'm only going to slice, yeah. try to get six, five, six slices. I like to get them off of one money muscle, but maybe I can't. But the, as you get, depending on, on the money muscle, you, there is a section that there's a big pack pocket of fat. But I think if you cook it correctly, you know, like I'll take my money muscle, I'll, I'll log it out at 170, season up the back end where I logged it out, put it in a basket, and then I two or three of them, and then I put them back on the pit to get that color all the way back around where I logged it out at. They're coming off about 192, 193, and it's the, I'm using Duroc, so I'm a big fan of Duroc, and they're right, okay? And so you get to a section of that part, like Bob says, there, there is some money muscles that have a big chunk of fat going down the middle of that, but it might be halfway to the end of that pork, uh, where you're going to slice it. I don't use that anyway. Hmm. So you're obviously not going to turn anything in that's going to be offensive to the judges. So if it takes that you need to take two two of those money muscles to get what you need to get six, six slices, so be it. You know what I mean? So uh, exactly. you just got to, yep. but you cook it. You cook it enough, cook it right. It'll be soft. And you know, obviously you don't want to overcook it because you'll cook all of that fat out of there. Then they just fall apart. Now you got pulled pork. So, um, it's just you're gonna run into that. It's not always that way, generally, but you might find like you happen to have one that had a lot of fat in there, and that's just what it is. But you're, if you if you would have had two or three or more, generally, probably the other two or three are gonna be just fine. So this is a little bit of a lead up to saying, hey, by the way, if you like what you're hearing, we're talking about some competition stuff. We're talking about backyard barbecue and grilling stuff. Uh, Bob and Mo are also traveling this worldwide country of ours doing the Bob and Mo barbecue show where they will yes, teach you how to cook and give you all their insight. So if my research is correct, uh, it looks like the next class is Frederick, Maryland on June 24th. Is that right? That, that is correct. All right. Are seats available or are we sold out? 
Um, well, we're, we're technically sold out, but, um, I just talked to the guys. We have 36 people right now. Um, and I think we have seats for probably four more comfortably. So if we make it to 40, we're good. Um, so technically four people can jump in and, and we'll be fine with that. But do you you like the Kappa class at a certain size, no matter where? Well, it it depends on the venue and the cookers we have, you know, if if I'm driving with a big cooker or most driving with a big cooker and we have a big venue, then I mean we've had 70, 80 people. Um, but this this particular one, I think we're comfortable up to forty. And um, you know, I'm not sure what pit we're bringing yet. Uh, depending on if my smoker is going to be ready. Um, so yeah, between anywhere between thirty and fifty is is a nice size class for us. Mo, well, if somebody's signing up. What can they expect as an attendee? What are they going to know and learn? First of all, Bob and I have done a lot of cook-offs over the years. We've cooked in our backyard, a competition circuit. So we've, we have learned being self-taught and same with Bob. We've learned a lot of tips and tricks. Our classes are geared towards more of the backyard guy, but with some competition tricks to it. But what you get out of our classes, you get a lot of depth of knowledge of what we do. And it's just really common sense, but good information that helps people that are just getting in the game, uh, trying to cook up. Because a lot of people, they don't give a rat's ass about competition. They just want to make a better <laughs> pork butt or better ribs or better person in the backyard. That's a yeah. win-win. Okay, not everybody, because you know we, we, we're both competition guys and we know that stuff changes like the wind. I mean, yeah, they jump on this, they jump on that. But for a person in the backyard, when you give them some skills and some techniques, that's something they pass down to their kids, their aunt, their uncle, <laughs> the grandma, the grandpa. That is solid. That's what we want to do. You know what I mean? I'd rather want to teach backyard people more than the competition people. Competition guys, as I said again, they just change like the wind. They may be regimented in certain things, but then the next minute they're jumping on something else. I understand that. And that's all right. But because we've cooked so much and done a lot of cook-offs, we can speak that lingo too. And we give them tips that are competition tricks that they are just like blown away by, but just explain the process to them. And it's just a fun class. It's a six-hour class. We keep it fun. We have some great stories amongst between Bob and I of what we've done on the circus, what we've seen, what we experienced. That's the whole ambience of the, of the, of the class. It's not only, we're not drab. As you know, I'm bubbly. <laughs> Bobby's bubbly. You know, who wants to go to a class and you sound like you're monotone like you're in a library? Okay? You want you want to have some fun to it. You know what I'm saying? That's how we wrote. A lot of banter back and forth. And and we do also gear our classes toward the people who are there that day, right? So we talk to people about their level of experience and we we encourage a lot of questions. So we will work individually and with the group on what the biggest uh, bottlenecks are for people and and challenges and and how to get them through that and be successful. I don't exactly. know if, if a lot of people know the, the backstory here, but I mean, how do you guys meet originally? Like, where does the, the relationship start? And where do you guys figure out that you have a, a good enough chemistry that you would go and, and do these business ventures together? Because... I'd say, especially over the last four or five years, it seems like you guys are a, a dynamic duo of barbecue. Uh, we have an absolute blast out there. Everybody can see that. We have a great rapport. 
We tell a lot of stories. We have a lot of laughs and knowledge. Uh, but Mo will tell the story that he used to call me, and I would never answer the phone. Is that right, Mo? Damn straight. For Barbecue Guru? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was with Barbecue yeah, Guru. So back in the day, back in the day, you know, you know, Bob was at Barbecue Guru. Uh, I never had a guru before. You know what I'm saying? I had some ceramic green eggs on back of my trailer, and I'd call him, man, and I wouldn't ask for no freebie. I was just, you know, I was kind of inquiring about him. And uh, he would never answer my call, so I stopped calling. I only called a few times. So <laughs> I was at American. I was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. A few times out, a day. Uh, damn right, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's this yeah, story, sure. and then there's the real story. Okay. Hold up, hold up. And then we was, at the, we was at the American Royal. I can't remember what year that was. But 2008. I was, at, I was at my, yeah. And Bob comes up to me, man, out the blue, man. He looked like a little kid, you know. And, you know, and I said, what's up, man? He goes, uh, yeah, I'm Bobby. I'm Bobby T. And uh, I want to give you something, man. I said, Bobby T, man, that's not like a pimp. What the hell are you doing? What the, what the hell are you doing? And he uh, he gave me a barbecue guru. And uh, I was like, oh, thanks, man. My first time I ever got one of those, man. He, I put it on that egg, man. That thing ran great. And we just hit it off, man. And what I love about Bob, and me and him, it's like, we both have great personalities and we're knowledgeable, but we're friends and we're like family. I know his wife, his kids. He knows my wife and my kids. We are brothers from another mother. I mean, that's, yep. that's my brother, man. And, and we, our relationship has grown over the years. Bob, Bob back when he said barbecue guru, he brought me in, we did videos, but Bob, is for real, for real. He's my ride or die friend, man. I'm gonna tell you, man, straight up. And he's honest. He doesn't have any ego. I don't have any ego. We, we just, but he's a confident man for what he does, just like me. But we are friends, and I would do anything for him, just like he'd do anything for me. Bob, do you remember that story that way, or do you have a different taint? I mean, it was it was kind of that way, yeah. So um, I was the d director of marketing at the time when Mo was calling in, and who who calls customer service and asks for the director of marketing? So I wasn't always available on the phone for a phone call, <laughs> but I did answer the phone a few times, and uh, we we would chat on the phone, and and the rest of the story is the truth. Uh, we saw each other at at the American Royal, and maybe I felt a little bad for not answering all the calls, but. Uh, I brought him over our new cyber queue and gave it to him as a gift, and he was taken back by it. I think we uh, had a couple beers, maybe smoked a cigar, and became friends. And uh, we we did a ton of work together doing commercials yeah. for Barbecue yes. Hero and filming, you know, little mini series, you know, cook series and things like that. So, yeah, great yep. friends. He is an amazing guy. My kids and my wife love him as much as I do. Uh, great mm -hmm. family, and just hit it off. Uh, one last yep. question before uh, we go to some promotion stuff. Uh, we, we've found that we are, three of us, are uh, brothers of the leaf, which is uh, we've got a passion for wait, cigars. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, 420. What are, are we talking about? about wait, yes. I said, which oh. is a passion for cigars. Okay. Oh, <laughs> everybody, oh, relax. Just relax, everybody. So I don't get down like that, son. We we like premium hand rolled cigars, and I'm just kind of finding that. I mean, I've known Mo to have one in his jaw there ever since I've known him, but I've just recently seen that Bob is also a appreciator of a fine premium rolled cigar. 
What's your what's your brand right now, Mo? If you had one box to buy forever and ever, what are you going? Particles number four. Ooh. The particles number two. Number two. All right. Wow. Done with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a big Cuban. I love Cuban cigars. I get them on the regular. Uh, my business partner out of uh, you. You hypothetically Australia. get them on the regular. Hypothetically, yes. I get them on the regular. Right. But I get them on the regular. <laughs> and uh, but as far as my regular cigars that I get around Liga, Liga number nines. Yeah. That's like my everyday go to. So I got them sitting up on my humidor right now, or in my humidor. Bob, your one box. If you only could smoke one box. From here on out, what's your brand going? Well, I'll tell you, I I love the League of Number Nine myself. But when we were in Memphis in May, um, I got a box of Cohibas, and Mo, I don't know if you had one of those Cohibas, but they were smooth. I mean, they were phenomenal. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I'm a big. I always been a big Cohiba fan. Hold up, hold hold up, hold up, hold up. What you just telling me that you got a box of Cohibas? You didn't bring me now. I was sitting in your site drinking a drinking a Tito's. And I handed you a cigar. You didn't have me no Cohiba. Yes, I did. You had me a Backwoods. <laughs> no. Somebody. Oh, sorry. Jeez, thanks, sorry pal. Philly's well, Blunt didn't I mean, want any of that. I handed a Cohiba oh, off to you? a lot of your teammates. And by the time I got to you, all I had was the Backwoods. <laughs> yeah, you didn't okay, know whatever. I remember anyway. that, man. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, here we go now. <laughs> you got the clown shoes on now. All right, Pennywise. You know, back in Scranton, where I where I came from originally, they make a Parodi cigar. I'll bring you a box of those. Well, is it the, the cheese and oh. onion tipped uh, pierogi oh, cigar? God, they're 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 nasty. They're hard <laughs> as a rock. They're hard as a rock. All right, but, uh, uh, always yeah, but Cohiba. Let's do some promotion here on the way out, uh, Bob. Any aside from the uh, the the Bob and Mo barbecue show that we're going to be. Uh, having their June 24th. Anything that you're up to or products that you want to mention uh, to give you some promotion time? Oh, man, I'm up to all kinds of stuff. But, you know, always promoting the uh, the barbecue sauces and rubs, growing that line. My latest barbecue product is my uh, Mama T's bourbon barbecue sauce that I named after my wife because she with her love for bourbon. Uh, and that's been doing really well. And uh, it's probably because she has to put up with me. That's why she likes the bourbon so much. But um i'm super excited about my new uh dry pack pizza dough just add water bobby d's bobby t's pizza dough will be available in about five or six weeks all right very excited about it mo what are you promoting uh i got a lot of stuff going on which is great i'm blessed uh i've got a cookbook i'm working on that's uh backed by nat nat geo pro speed for the cookbook and uh That'll be out hopefully. I think next year uh, we are we've already submitted the recipes. They loved them. Seventy five recipes, picture heavy. We've already they've already shooting the shooting the recipes now. I, I was down in Austin, shot some for a little bit when I was down there picking up my pit, and uh, so that's one. Second is I'm leaving for uh, to go cook for the Navy again in Dega Garcia in July, which I've been there. This is my second time, which is an honor to go to Dega Garcia because that's a military island. There's no civilians on the island. It's just contractors and Navy and British. It's awesome to go and cook for these guys doing that. And then on behalf of the U.S. State Department and U.S. Embassy in Slovenia, 
I'm going over to teach a barbecue class um, and demo in um, Slovenia. They have a barbecue festival over there and they specifically asked for me. So that's really cool to do that. And uh, my rubs and sauces are doing great. They're in uh, Academy, Ace Hardware Stores, Hy-Vee. I'm getting ready to go on 400 Winn-Dixie's. And uh, I've got a new sauce. I'm getting ready, uh, going to be coming out. And it's my I-55 sauce, baby. Woo! Memphis. All right. Nice. So be on the lookout. Uh, their websites, respectively, uh, Mo Kason, BBQ.com and Bob Trudnack, BBQ.com. What's the other website, Bob, for the pizza stuff? Uh, it's all on the same website, okay. Bob Trudnack, BBQ.com. And then you can click a tab to go to Bobby T's Pizza Products. Gentlemen, you've said it all here this evening, and I appreciate the time. It's Mo Kason to the top and the right of me. It's Bob Trudnack right below me, two gentlemen that I have appreciated for many years. Uh, Bob, as I've said before, aside from my wife, I think my longest relationship with any man or woman outside of her is actually with you. And that's something I certainly appreciate. And that's not why you got into the Guest Hall of Fame, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And uh, I I wish you guys continued success. Appreciate the extended time tonight, and we'll do it again soon. All right, Craig. Thank you, everybody. So there you have it. An extended time with Mo and Bob. It was absolutely fabulous. And I certainly appreciate them sharing all the insights right there, too. Uh, Talk to you about trimming a money muscle. Maybe that's putting you over the edge now. Maybe you want to go visit them at their class that they have coming up on the 24th in Maryland. Frederick, Maryland. Four tickets to the left. We also talked about Memphis and Bay. Nobody seems to think that's going away for good. Chris Lilly thought 50% chance is going away for good. But they were very down on thinking that it's going to be returning to Tom Lee Park next year. It could be somewhere else. We'll see about that. If you missed it, don't worry. You get the podcast on Thursday, first hour tomorrow. And, of course, we have the best moments on Friday. Big show planned for you next week. It's the first Tuesday of June, so Malcolm Reed will be in. We'll also talk about, uh, we'll talk with Sam the Cooking Guy, amongst others. So how am I always leaving you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central.